So I'm not going to be, uh, it's not going to be a long service today, but I do want to share with you some things that just will help us think about uh, the joy that we've got. Uh, we are celebrating uh, 200 years. Uh, we're not celebrating 200 years alone. We're celebrating God's faithfulness. The focus isn't the, our track record. The focus is the one who's the pioneer of our faith. And he's the one, and he's the theme as we go through today, to think about what God has done in this place. What this looks like today, but what Mr. Norton and Mr. Gilmore and those early settlers came out to was they were also following the same God that they believed who would be faithful to them. And as they started in this place, it was a new beginning. And new beginnings, every time the Spirit of God comes and there's a new beginning, there are always marks, there are always distinctives of what sets us apart as a peculiar people. And so, uh, talking about beginnings, I do have to say this, and Nola, please relay this to Linda. This is the new beginning for uh, Linda, and she's in Ireland, and this is the little boy's name, which we can't pronounce. So don't hound Nola because she can't do this. But can you say the name Conchibaher Log Mac Shorden Joinai? Joinai? Shorden, I think, is, uh, is for Jordan. That's the only thing I can make out of it. Or Mac is for not McDonald's. But, but anyway, uh, Aaron and Sieg, uh, Linda and Barry Donnelly, now grandparents, and Nola, we want to congratulate you. It's a new beginning for you, too. But for this church, it only started with seven people. Four women, three men. And those seven people, we don't know their names. I, I can't, uh, we, may not, we may not know them, uh, but uh, seven people alone. But God knew their names. And then they were added, uh, five. And when more were added, little bit by little bit, as time continued on, uh, what you found was real growth in the church. And that happens everywhere the Spirit of God is at work and God's people are faithful to His faithfulness. There's a growing process. One, there's an upward growth towards our relationship with God, but there's a personal growth and there's an understanding of who you are and what you bring to the body. There's a fellowship, a horizontal growth, and there's a growth to reach the lost. And all those things are part of the calling that we have but all of that is a time to remember that every day of our lives are part, is part of a story that God's unfolding, a story of redemption. It's a story of celebration. And therefore, did you notice that our hymns, our hymn books are, are called uh, to celebrate, not just hymn book, it's a celebration. And so we are called at this time to rejoice. But to make this time shorter, I just want to address four quick callings that when you think about who you are and who I am and what we are doing here in this place, in this time, we have a calling, not just to the ministry, but a calling, a special calling. And when we talk about that, we want to talk about our confession of faith. We want to talk about our community. And lastly, I want to leave you with the charge that as we move into the next 200 years. But the first thing you got to understand that Jesus is not a religion. He's a man, and he came to earth, and he lived and breathed, but he was God's son. And he came to establish the relationship. And as God 
walked with Jesus, he becomes the very model of how we can know Christ. And knowing Christ, we can live in a fallen world just like Jesus. As a holy man walked around in incredibly dark times, we too share the same times, but we have the same spirit. If you were Jewish or you Hebrew, you have 2,000 years of history knowing that God's covenant promise was yours. But in the New Testament, there were a lot of Greeks and pagans and barbarians who didn't have that 2,000-year history. And therefore, they had to be taught that God is faithful. The Jews knew it, even though they were not faithful. But they knew that God was faithful. But the Gentiles had to learn. And so in Corinthians, Paul would say, God is faithful. Over and over again, underline when you see this in the New Testament, read how often Paul talks about, Peter talks about, John talks about, God is faithful. And God is faithful to whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. The fellowship, friendship, where you know Jesus Christ personally. He speaks to you. He walks with you. He guides you. He convicts you. He helps you. He develops you. He disciples you. But he would say to the Thessalonians as well, to the Corinthians, faithful, faithful is he who calls you. God is always calling, always calling. Like a parent wanting his child to come home, talk on the phone, text, to do something. God is a communicator, and he wants the connection with you. And to know, to know this, when I came to Christ as a young man, one of the things that really stood out to me was that he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And that caught me off guard because it told me that God was the God of the individual, and he knows each individual by name. I'm Moses' God. I'm David's God. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, get out of that tree. Peter, your name's going to be called the rock. He would address people one by one. And therefore Jesus would say, I'm the shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I call them and they hear me. They won't go after somebody else. Well, our calling is locked up in this uh, voice that says to you, where are you? You are mine. You're, you are my sheep. I am your shepherd. And how would the shepherds know which sheep is theirs? You got a, a land, an open land, you got 50 shepherds out there. Do you know how the shepherds would know their sheep? They would mark them. And they would mark them with a dye. And the dye on the sheep would say, this green group of sheep belongs to this shepherd. And this blue group of sheep belongs to the shepherd. So the dyeing of the wool was the mark of the, of the, the sheep. And recon, uh, recognizing that there was an owner, there was an identity with the shepherd. We call it baptism. Because if you're baptized, you take the dye into the wool, that wool changes colors and gives a new identity. It's that new identity that we have in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. This new relationship is wonderfully new. And therefore, as a calling, we, we respond to the one who's faithful to call us. And therefore, your life and your story, you should be listening day by day. But we also have a confession. 
And I just want to underline one thing that you may not have underlined before, but our confession is in the one who's calling us. And so Paul would say, here's a faithful saying that deserves full acceptance. This is a faithful saying because it came from heaven itself. Christ Jesus came into the world to save the sinners. And I'm the worst, Paul would say. The faithful saying is, you can trust this, that the reason why Jesus came is to get those sheep who were lost. And our confession, our confession before our Father is, we are sinful. We are sinners. We have been separated. But notice what John says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to for, and Cleanse us, purify us, change us. God is in the process of bringing people back into relationship that if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He will never turn you away. It's a simple cry out to Jesus, forgive me, and he does. Now, I just want to highlight real quickly, there are two kinds of sins. Did you know that? Maybe three or more, but only two major kinds of sins. There's a sin of lawlessness, and we know that. When a man commits crime, he goes to jail, and so he, there's a violation of the law, there's a missing of the mark, and we understand lawlessness very well. But do you know the other kind of sin? And we're probably not as aware or quick to confess the sin. The sin is lawfulness. That when we try to think that my goodness, my righteousness, my efforts to really make things right, my discipline, my commitment to Christ, my repentance, anything about me, if I rely on that, I'm thinking, I'm going to be pretty good. I'm in good shape. And once you begin to rely on your ability to keep the law, you are in sin. We don't think that way. The law was given to increase and expose. The law will never be the remedy for you being right with God. And therefore, when anybody tries to keep the law or anybody rests on their goodness, they're good people. There are a lot of good people in Chesterland who are relying on their goodness to get into heaven. If that were true, Jesus Christ never needed to come and die. It's just your goodness outweighs your badness. That's sin because it takes away from the very thing that God says, I want you to have faith in the one who is faithful. And so we sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. You recognize that once you substitute anything for Christ, you've now just forfeited the promises of God. You've just reduced grace to another self-improvement pattern. You can't even repent, as John Wesley said, without your repentance being washed in the blood. It's only through Christ. So that's our confession. And, and that's what the early church knew. Now we were in the book of Acts. I just want to hit one thing. As we get into the book of Acts, chapter 2, when the Pentecost spirit came down, and they spoke with a tongue of fire. It was a one-time event. But all the nations had the same message. 
those in Libya and those in Egypt and those in Rome, all those who were saying the same message. And that message was this. This one whom God sent, whom God attested to, you murdered. You rejected him. But this is the one that God sent to be your savior. And with that, they were quickened in the spirit. Notice in that passage, as, as you're familiar with the passage, Peter and, and the disciples never talk about the experience of tongues. Peter and the disciples never talk about what that tongue of fire meant. They weren't concerned about spiritual experience. What they were concerned about was the repentance that God would forgive them for the fact that they had rejected Christ. This one is attested to you, says God, says Peter. Through, uh, says God through Peter. This one. This is the testimony of God, and you refuse that testimony. Now, here's what I want you to hear. When the Holy Spirit came, and when the Holy Spirit confesses, uh, when the Holy Spirit has the people confess that Jesus is the Lord, what's the first sign of the Holy Spirit? What's the first thing he does in Scripture when they become a Christian? And this is what's a phenomenal. It's not about a spiritual experience. It's not about speaking in tongues. It's not about miracles. It's not even about your faith. When the Spirit of God came upon the people and they became a Christian, the first thing, they became a kingdom community. They became a community. A community of the king. Now get that. Where the Holy Spirit is, there's relationships restored. Where there's no relationships restored, you don't have the operation of the Holy Spirit. That's an amazing thing. Because at this church, it gives me evidence, the fact that the Spirit of God is here because He's with this community. And I love it. And I praise God for that. Because it says in Acts 2, He says, those who accepted His message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added that day. When the Spirit of God is at work, relationships are improved. And they are restored. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of the bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. It wasn't passive. It was active. No one was not touched by the Spirit of God because they were brought into the kingdom community. Like us. 2,000 years ago, 200 years ago, those seven men and women, and look at us today. It's the same Spirit doing the same thing. Why? Because he's faithful. 1819, we had a calling. 1819, we had a confession. 1819, we had a community. And that continues on to this day. But I'm going to leave you with our charge. And our charge is the same charge that they had. That they were to be filled with boldness to tell other people about Christ. But our charge primarily is to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and follow him following Christ. Don't follow the church. Follow Jesus Christ. Don't follow the law. Follow Jesus Christ. Don't follow your own experience. Follow Jesus Christ. And make sure you put Christ first. That's a charge to you. Second, guard the gospel. We are in a dangerous territory and a dangerous time when people don't hear the faithfulness of God, don't hear the faithfulness of the Word, and they're substituting other things instead of understanding that this gospel is the only way for salvation, for the lost sheep and for saved sheep. There is no other gospel. 
Therefore, we have to guard that treasure that which is within us. And Paul would say to Timothy, Retain the standard of sound words for which you have heard from me, and in the faith and the love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. And therefore, I would say, brethren, the treasure in you is Christ, the hope of glory. Therefore, let Christ in you love Christ. Let you love those around you so that you become the very reflection of Christ. As Christ is in the world, so also are you. The last thing for us is if you're a silent generation or Generation X or uh, uh, the Boomers or the uh, Gen Xers or the Screeners or whatever generation you are, Reach the lost. Give yourself the opportunity to say, God, if you open a door for me to share the gospel with anyone, be bold. Because the Spirit of God is still at work seeking the lost. Leaving the 99 to go find those who are lost. And therefore, our calling and our charge to you is that you would continue what they did 200 years ago when they knelt and prayed and said, God, Bless this little church in Chesterland. We pray the same prayer today because we also have the same calling. And our calling is to follow Christ, to guard the gospel, to love the brethren, and seek the lost for Christ. For that reason, His faithfulness will lead us into the next 200 years. His faithfulness will lead us home. And when He's home, we will sing... Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassion, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided, great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me. God's faithful. You can trust Him. He never lies. He will always be true. And for that reason, our faith is anchored in the resurrected Lord.